Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. study on the book of Ruth called Finding Home, and today we are in the third chapter of Ruth. If you have your own Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Ruth chapter 3. The words will also be found upon the screen. Hear now these words. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, I need to seek some security for you so that it may be well for you with you. Now here is our kinsman Boaz, with whose young women you have been working. See, he, was, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now wash and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies down. Lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. She said to her, all that you tell me, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had instructed her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk, and he was in a contented mood, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of the grain. Then she came stealthily and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and there lying at his feet was a woman. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your cloak over your servant, for you are next of kin. He said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. This last instance of your loyalty is better than the first. You have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. For all the assembly of my people know that you are a worthy woman. But now, though it is true that I am a near kinsman, there is another kinsman more closely related than I. Remain this night, and in the morning, if he will act as next of kin for you, good. Let him do it. If he is not willing to act as next of kin for you, as the Lord lives, I will act as next of kin for you. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before one person could recognize another, for he said, it must not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Then he said, bring the cloak you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it out, held it, And he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her back. Then he went into the city. She came to her mother-in-law who said, How did things go with you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, He gave me these six measures of barley. For he said, Do not go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. 
This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, well, good morning. I'm Pastor Corey, and as always, I'm so grateful and humbled uh, to be among you this morning, a day that the Lord has made that we shall rejoice in and be glad in. And as it's been mentioned, today is Mother's Day, not a liturgical holiday, uh, but one many of us will indeed celebrate. And Mother's Day actually has its roots in the Methodist Church, but sometimes it can feel a bit strange to connect our liturgical calendar with our Hallmark calendar, especially on days like today, when we're responsible for recognizing all the experiences represented. And today is unique because our biblical story is actually about a mother, well, a mother-in-law, Naomi, and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And we're continuing the study, as Pastor Adam said, of finding home in Ruth chapter 3. And I wanted to mention these women in the context of this Hallmark holiday, because today would be quite complicated for both of them. As we know, in chapter 1, Naomi loses both of her children, a deep, deep pain that would make this day far more difficult than many of us could imagine. And we also know that Ruth bears the pain of losing her husband before they could ever bear a child together. So we know her pain as well. And so we look to these women and their wisdom today. They have so much to teach us, and we we lift them up. We lift up their pain. We lift up their hope. And we offer a prayer on behalf of Mother's Day by a woman named Amy Young. So let us open this morning with prayer. Almighty God, to those who gave birth in this strange, isolated, and unprecedented year, we celebrate with you and we grieve with you. To those who lost a child this year or in any year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who have lost their mothers, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths 
to those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be. We grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in this upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. And for those who parent in the absence of mothers, we give thanks for you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. We pray this all in the name of God, our great and loving Mother. Amen. So this morning, we do enter this passage of chapter 3 that begins with a now very invested mother-in-law giving very specific and deliberate instructions to her daughter-in-law. I'm sure no mother-in-laws or daughters-in-law can appreciate this moment in the story. Uh, I certainly cannot. I won the mother-in-law jackpot. Larry, if you're watching, tell Edith I said, Happy Mother's Day to my mom. Happy Mother's Day as well. But here we are. This is the woman who in chapter 1 told everyone to stop calling her Naomi, which means pleasant or blessed, and to instead call her Mara, which means bitter. That's the journey we take in chapter 1. That Naomi has moved from experiencing her life as pleasant or blessed to now being identified as bitter, left empty by the Lord to quote her. From blessedness to bitterness, to a life marked as full to now a life marked as empty, from feelings of promise to nothing but pain. And last week, Pastor Adam talked about the journey of finding our place. He talked about the people in his life who welcomed, nurtured, equipped him into a place of longing and then sent him so he could do the same for others. He reminded us that God and God's community welcome, nurture, equip, and send us out into the world to remind others that they have a place. They have a place in God's story that you and we all belong. We all have a place in God's family. And we see this moment in Naomi's life that she cannot see that. She cannot find her place. She has journeyed, as I said, from blessedness to bitterness, from fullness to emptiness, from promise to pain. We may be intimately familiar with that experience, a time in your life that you felt bitter empty, in pain, we may very well be in that space right now. Lost and longing for belonging, thinking the end of the story has already been written. And yet in the midst of our bitterness, our emptiness, and our pain, we witness something beginning to shift in this story. God provides breadcrumbs, or actually here the very beginning of breadcrumbs, barley grain. Just enough sustenance for these two women to be reminded that hope just might, just might be lingering in the bitterness, in the emptiness, in the pain. If we're paying attention, barley grains, signs of hope, signs of promise, signs of life, longing to be picked up. 
What are the barley grains in your life? Who are the barley grains in your life? And as we learned last week, as Naomi and Ruth arrive in Bethlehem, Naomi's reminded that a relative of her husband's, Elimelech, owns a field. And so she sends Ruth there to glean, to pick up the barley grains, and just enough to keep them until the next day. And as Ruth faithfully serves and retrieves each grain somehow, both she and Naomi's hope is, in fact, renewed. Hope begins to rise in them. And Ruth's faithfulness and selflessness, it doesn't go unnoticed. The relative who owns the land, Boaz, makes a note of Ruth's integrity. He tells her what she's done to take care of her mother-in-law. It's beautiful. And honestly, it's, it's unexpected and a bit surprising. That's why he notices Ruth is also hard not to notice. She probably stands out quite a bit. She looks different. She sounds different. She is an outsider who has come to love Naomi. And her outsider status makes her vulnerable, vulnerable to threats both physical and otherwise, to rejection, to judgment, to unkind stares, to chatter that she might not even understand. Boaz recognizes her bravery, her courage, her faithfulness to her mother-in-law, and he makes sure she's protected in his field. He tells her only to glean in his field. So his character is now on display for us. This Israelite has shown mercy and favor to this foreigner in her moment of need. Just as Ruth, the Moabite, showed to Naomi. So Boaz's actions reflect a similar theme to what we discussed and discovered in chapter 1. We belong to each other. Not by blood or tribe, but by our very humanity. Glean here. Stay here. Be welcomed, nurtured, equipped, and sent from this field empty. I mean full, not empty. Were you listening? Be sent from this field full, not empty. You may be a Moabite to the world, but in this field you belong. And in this field you are safe. And then in chapter 3, Naomi and Ruth have begun to see that the trajectory of their story is shifting. Their bellies are no longer empty, and that gives them hope that maybe their souls Maybe their hearts, maybe their dreams might not remain empty either. So a plan is put into place by Naomi for Ruth to approach Boaz. Having cleaned herself, prepared herself with perfume and anointing oil, changing her clothes, and she's sent to offer herself in marriage to this kind, merciful man. Ruth is drawn to Boaz's character for the same reason he's drawn to her. They share so much in common. They both embody a sense of loving kindness. That's what connects them. The Hebrew word used to describe both is hesed, which can mean loving kindness or faithful love. And so she approaches him on the threshing floor. A little scandalous. And we can read into the connotations of this passage if you'd like. You can do some research on your own if you really want to know more. But ultimately, the details 
are left to our imagination of what fully transpires there. But what is not left up to our imagination is that Ruth listens to her mother-in-law. Well, not entirely. Instead of making herself available to Boaz for a marriage proposal, she just goes ahead and proposes herself. When she's asked in verse 9 by Boaz, who are you? She responds, I'm your servant Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Spread the corner of your garment over me. Do you all know what that means? It means marry me. Ruth is my kind of girl. She has come from this place of powerlessness, a widow without a home, to this empowered woman who is filled with hope and sees that she herself has a role to play in finding her place. Belonging doesn't necessarily come to us out of thin air. We must meet belonging. We too must pursue belonging. This relationship between Boaz and Ruth, it isn't one-sided. Relationships, if they are relationships, they cannot be one-sided. God enters into the covenant with the people of Israel, and it is when they forget that they have a responsibility in maintaining that covenant, that intimacy, that connection with God, that they begin to forget where they belong and to whom they belong. That they become lost to their own pursuits, building up their own kingdoms instead of God's to finding their own belonging instead of remembering their belonging was always to the God of Israel. And so in the time of Judges, when everyone did what was right in their own eyes, Ruth and Boaz model for us. They remind us of this relationship between God and God's people. They remind us of our relationship with God. And it's really fascinating, even in preparing to offer her life to Boaz, Ruth prepares she cleans herself. We do the same. As we prepare to offer our own life in relationship to Jesus, we repent, we wash ourselves, we ask to be made clean. And Ruth changes her clothes to establish this new relationship. And we too, we take off the things that once defined us. Our habits, our hang-ups, our sins, we take them off to be covered in the garment of God's love. We take off the belonging that wants to find us for a sense of belonging in God. We're claimed by God when we open ourselves, when we offer ourselves before God in seeking that belonging, in seeking to find our identity and our place. Ruth had a lot to fear in that moment, I imagine. She had a lot to lose. Her reputation, Naomi's reputation, she could have been outright rejected asked never to return to Boaz's fields, left again empty. The world had been cruel to her. But she places her trust in this kinsman redeemer, this redeemer who has revealed himself as loving, kind, trustworthy, merciful. She trusts who he is, and she finds home. Ruth chooses Boaz, and Boaz chooses Ruth. They pursue each other, and that pursuit leads to a deepening of their relationship, a deeper belonging to one another. We cannot expect God to do all the belonging for us. 
God comes a long way to meet us. But to meet us, not to coerce us or force us. And if we meet God and invite God into ourselves, our hearts, our bodies, our souls to form and mold us, then we experience the fullness of that belonging and that intimacy. Our knowledge and experience of God's character deepens in our own lives. How do we meet God? I think of all the stories where God meets us, the disciples on the road to Emmaus being met by a stranger who is actually no stranger at all. And we think about Paul on the road to Damascus being met by Jesus. The disciples could have sent the stranger on when they arrived to their destination, but they don't. They invite him in. They meet Jesus. Paul could have remained blind, physically and spiritually, for the rest of his life, refusing to accept the encounter that would forevermore change the trajectory of his life. But he chose to meet Jesus. We can choose to avoid the meeting. We can choose not to pick up the barley grains, leading us from bitterness to blessedness once again, from that emptiness to that fullness, from that pain to that new promise. We can choose to close our eyes. Or we can choose to follow the barley grains straight to the threshing floor, to that place of deep belonging and intimacy with God, a place where we are covered by God's garment of love and protection and mercy. And I wonder what those barley grains are in your life. I gave you a little bit of time to think. The things that have led or are leading you toward that promise, for me it can be as simple as a song or a conversation, a text, seeking out a place of worship, reminding me that I need to meet with God. It can be deeper, an awareness of my own bitterness beginning to sour or spoil the joy and peace I know. When that pain and bitterness begins to speak louder than the promise, I know I need to go and glean the field, looking for that Redeemer, seeking out the one who has saved me again and again. We all find and meet God in different ways. Worship, serving others, a walk in the woods, intentional prayer time, small group, coffee with a friend, music, study, meditation, that threshing floor could be a million places for each of us. But where is that place for you? Find it. Go there. Pick up the barley grains. Intentionally seek that belonging. No covenanted relationship works when only one person does the work. We know this. So show up. We open ourselves to the belonging that God is desperate to cover us in, to cover our bitterness with blessedness, to cover and fill our emptiness with fullness, to cover our pain with promise. Church, might we journey through the fields? May we meet God on the threshing floor and be covered by God's garment of love, mercy, and grace. Let us pray. Almighty God, sometimes our lives are marked with bitterness, pain, and emptiness. We struggle to believe, to hope things will ever be different. 
And then we are reminded by your constant and resilient love in the breadcrumbs, in the barley grains of grace you scatter for us to discover. May we have eyes to see them, hands to pick them up, and bodies to consume them. May we meet you on the threshing floor of life, surrendering our lives to be united with yours. And may we receive your garment of love, of protection, your garment of belonging that says, I am yours and you are mine. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.